Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmill, the only recipient of Dr. Abraham Erskine's Super Soldier Serum. With me today is a fellow superhero, one who bears the amulet of right from Merlin himself. He's also a coach for Vanguard Tactics and the handsomest man in 40K. He's the Captain Britain to my Captain America, Mr. Jake Harding. Jake, how's it going, bro? I love the Marvel references, and I like because I've I've been binge watching all the Marvel um, timeline movies as well in order. So I appreciate that as well. But I'm doing absolutely fantastically, Dave. How are you doing? I am great. Uh, then the obviously, as we talked in pre-show, the the Marvel reference was a little uh, more on point today because today this is a we we have a um, I had a little bit of a special request from a friend of mine on Discord. Um, uh, he uh, he goes by the the handle of Sung Su. Um, he, he's also a fellow content creator. He uh, he asked us to revisit the leagues of Votan now that the uh, the data slate in September has been out for a little bit, and obviously there were the points changes at the same time. So he asked us to uh, he asked that I would uh, do an episode going back over all of that. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. For those that don't aren't familiar with him, also I'm going to just do a plug for him real quick. Uh, uh, TT as he is called it for short. Um, he's an, an American podcaster who also served in the 82nd Airborne at the same time that I did, uh, though somehow we never met. Uh, he and his British counterpart, a gentleman named Pat Dunford, they co-host a podcast about Marvel Crisis Protocol. Uh, the name of that show is Across the Bifrost, and it is actually uh, honestly one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. If you have any interest in MCP or if you um, just want another games-related pod to listen to, I highly recommend their show. It's on Spotify and all that. So go check out Across the Bifrost. They do a great show. And so with that, uh, we're going to stop real quick to do our first sponsor of the day, The Outpost. The Competitive 40K Podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting The Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in-store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables, and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, The Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in store. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review if you would be so kind. Uh, I will get back sometime soon to reading out the reviews. We've got a few of them backed up, so I will get on that. Uh, I've just been kind of in a rush lately with the holidays. So uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well. Uh, I'm on there at, at InfantryLawyer40K. Jake is on there at, at VTJake2 right yeah yeah sadly yeah, sadly <laughs> i know i still i still mourn when i have to add the 40k to the end of mine because you and i both got hacked in the last year yeah. uh but anyway with that all that said and before we start um getting on complaining about the evil hackers uh let's talk about some some votan man this is our our favorite our shared favorite faction yeah man the best armor. uh you want to talk about points first and and then the data slate or vice versa um Let's do the points first, because I think that is okay. probably, that's something that's a bit easier to talk about, right? Um, the, the, when we get into the data slate changes, there's a lot to cover there in terms of the actual nuances. Yeah, um, So the biggest thing for Votan when the index came out was that they had really taken a massive hit in terms of their core stat line. Um, so mainly what I mean by that is their ability to hit on a four uh it seems the whole army it seems like over the edition they all got less accurate which was very not fun and definitely made this little dwarven warrior very sad um yeah. 
However, this was obviously Game Games Workshop weren't silly. Uh, they did know that they uh, had a counterpart to this, and there was a reason why they made all the dwarfs inaccurate. Is because of how they change judgment tokens from ninth to tenth edition. So if you're unaware how judgment tokens work, it's pretty simple. Um, so every time an enemy unit kills one of your units, that enemy unit gains a judgment token, uh, and you can have up to two on you at one time. There's other ways of putting judgment tokens on you as well. So there's like enhancements and characters that also can do it as well, which we'll go into. Um, and if you've got one on you, you get plus one to hit when your units are shooting them. And if you have two on you, you're plus one to hit and wound when you target that unit. So pretty good. Like the plus one to wound is massive as well, which again, we'll go into when we go to the data state changes. Yeah. Um, but overall, like that was not enough for an army to take that much of a hit in terms of its ballista skill, making it a whole going from its 66% accurate to now 50% accurate. It's quite a massive decline considering that also, it seems a lot of the Votan weapons became a lot more swingy as well. Like, mainly looking at you, Magma Rails, because for some reason you hit on a five. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, so so overall, like, and the points really was were quite a lot. Like, 150 points for 10 warriors was obscene. Um, 15 points a model is ridiculous for what the... Um, the stat line is and i'm not going to sugarcoat it because yeah they all went up a toughness as well but that's not enough no it's not yeah on top of that as well you had things like um you know like berserkers were very expensive as well i believe they were like 130 bikes were 105 you had um, i think the only unit that was actually pointed quite appropriately was a uh, hearthguard uh, they probably were the standout unit in the book and they were actually quite well costed for what they were um agreed you know so so overall the army was just too expensive and you were finding as a votan player like i did is that you would put your models on the table and you barely had anything to play the mission with you couldn't really achieve a lot and it just made the whole sort of armyless aspect quite a, a struggle um now we've sort of entered the complete opposite that we've got so many spare points we don't know what to do with them, do we, Dave? Right? It's, no, for sure. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the the changes were crazy. Like they, well, I'll say first the my list from LVO last year. Uh, after the the with the initial points drop, uh, or with the initial points for tenth edition, I suddenly didn't own enough models to even field a Votan um, list to to play a two thousand point game. And then the points came out in September, and it got even worse. So uh, I, I did now I've heard a couple of people say this and I, I want to get your feedback. Um, people I've heard a couple of people say that Votan started off as an elite army and, and then somewhere along the design of 10th edition, they decided that Votan needed to be a horde army. Um, Do you think that's accurate? I don't think they're quite horde ish, although the four plus ballistic skill across the board certainly implies horde. I don't think they are Horde Army. However, they're definitely going that way because everything's so cheap. So just to put in perspective, my previous Votan list before the data slate was 2,000 points. Um, the first list I made of the... When I then went back to look at that list when the app updated with the points, I'd gained 400 points in my army uh, to spend. Yeah. As in, sorry, I, you know, I lost off 400 points, so I got to put in stuff. Um, which is insane. It is a massive, massive, massive thing. Um, you know, like you've nearly gained, uh, you've gained a fifth of your army 
right, as more stuff, um, which then put Votan in a really interesting position to sort of really go a bit mad with it and take right. all sorts of units. And the reason Votan lists you see such a variety of units is purely by the fact of they have so many points spare. Um, like just to name a few as an example, uh, we'll, we'll use the Herfkin Warriors. They went from 150 to 110, so they dropped 40 points, um, which is insane. Herfguard, I already said they were a fantastic unit. A unit of 10 of those used to cost 350, I believe. They now cost 300. Uh, bikes went from uh, 105 to 90. Uh, I think Sagittars went from either 130 or 120 to 100, and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, everything came down. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, all the characters came down on average ten points. Yeah. Um, the broke here Iron Master went from seventy five to sixty five. The uh, Iron Here Champion went from seventy five to sixty. The Grimnir, who is sadly not great in this edition, but he went from seventy five yeah. to sixty five. He's paying for his sins. Uh, in in ninth edition, being the yeah. auto take that he was last edition, and the call yeah. went from ninety down to seventy. Like that's it's a big drop. That right there, you've if if you're playing with one of each of those, you just picked up fifty points. Yeah. Well, like if you, if you look as an example of if you took three units of ten Herfkin warriors, you gained one hundred and twenty points in your army by doing that, right? Yeah. Um, it's just ridiculous. It was just insane. So so now, like you see these Votan lists where, for example, um, Sagittar spam something I do love because I went out and bought six Sagittar that I wanted to take to Warmer Fest and then bottled it and didn't uh all for it to be now amazing so that's worked out really well yes uh, for me for on my good old purchases of jake's moments of madness this is definitely one of them that we can say worked out of the many <laughs> yeah. like, one of them had to eventually work right right if you if you wait long enough the bodies of your enemies will float by the river uh, as yeah. uh, as it says in the art of war or um more appropriately if you wait long enough gw will make the unit that you love good yeah um so because of that like you, you're seeing sort of votan lists now that are doing quite well so um just to use uh one as an example if we look at uh the london grand tournament so that was the uh first sort of big major uk event of 10th edition uh it's the one of the biggest in in the world in fact um somebody actually went into the top 16 with votan and he was running sagittar spam six sagittars two units of 20 uh, sorry two units of 10 Earth Guard, he had um, Thunderkin as well, some bikes, Triple Champ, um, also Double Champ uh, to be able to go about. He had Ufar in there as well. So, you know, like there's a lot of stuff in there and, and people may look at a list and you just have to keep scrolling on some lists on when you look on Best Coast Pairings BCP because it just doesn't feel like it ends. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the points was, was a massive deal for Votan, and I think something that maybe is one of the reasons they're doing, in my opinion, quite well at the moment, if we're just to refer to the MetaWatch article Games Workshop published a few weeks back, they're currently sitting at a 55% win rate, uh, which is um, a bit danger close, I think. Uh, they think they're the second best win rate in the game behind Eldar, so something to be said for that. And I think, uh, you know, as, as obviously we go into the data state changes and all the nuances and stuff, you, it's pretty obvious to see why they are up there right yeah yeah i think that it, it seems to me right now that obviously eldari still are are overtuned but they've got this uh, uh there's three factions that post data slate are are sort of the unequivocal winners 
And obviously Eldari is still at the top, but then the next two seem to be Votan and um, World Eaters. And of course, Chaos Space Marines are, are, are still, you know, I think they were in yeah. second place before the data slate, but then um, they're certainly there now competing yeah. with Eldari for first. But then the, the, the two after those two is Votan and World Eaters. Yeah. I think um, Votan is also shown by the immense success I'm seeing with Votan as well. Like, not me personally, because I've actually sort of taken a mini break from from playing my Votan. And, um, but I'm back on it now for the uh, LVO. So uh, that'll be good. But yeah, so, you know, like, the, the, you know, these, these people, you know, Votan went from doing awfully one of the lowest win rates into the game to one of the highest. So, you know, that doesn't just happen for no reason. Um, good players are picking them up because they're seeing the value and how much you get with with the votan list how how flexible it is tactically with these sagittar builds or even if you want to go with hecaton land fortresses to sort of stat check your opponent you know the character selection used to be they all used to be awful to be honest like i thought they were all awful for the points but now if you're going to tell me i can pay 60 points for a two up save um six wound i think he is Six or five wound model, two up save, toughness six model, who can just sit on my backfield objective and block it because his base is big enough, then yeah, go on then. Like, I'm yeah. not going to say no. Like, it's, it's, there's a lot of value now here. And even the Grimware, someone who is a bit pants, is actually in my, currently my provisional list for LVA. <laughs> More of a shout out to Tom Lehman, who I do the um, a Votan show with over on 6++. I will give a little shout out to him as well because uh, we do 6++ and Vanguard Tactics have been um, quite chummy lately when um, me, and, me and Chris, who is the Steve equivalent of 6++, we all went out together at Leicester and had a lovely time. Um, and over there, we do a show called Rock and Stone. It's normally like every few weeks we do an episode and we talk all things Votan. So, um, you know, it's good fun. If so, if you want to go check that out, definitely go do that. Go, go give go, go give those boys some love. They are all lovely. Um, but one of the things we cover on on that show is just like how much you get with Votan and the value of them. And as a as a player who's looking at hitting the tournament scene and doing quite well, you can pick up a Votan army and find a lot of success with it because of how flexible it can be. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's the points. Let's still let's talk the nitty gritty of. Um, the changes that what what the data slate actually brought to um, the index. So uh, I'll read it out, and then you just give me your thoughts, since you yeah. do spend a lot of time talking about Votan and and have become quite the subject matter expert on them. So yeah. uh, leagues of Votan, the ruthless efficiency detachment rule. Um, they changed the the first two paragraphs, so it now says at the start of the battle, select a number of units from your opponent's army depending on the battle size. Strike force two thousand points, obviously four units. That's the one we care about because that's tournament size. Each of those units starts the battle with two judgment tokens. Uh, at the start of any of your command phases, any of those units um, have been destroyed. You gain a number of CP depending on how early in the battle you destroyed it. Uh, and then they, it's still the three, two, one, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't, say that, it doesn't say anything different there. So. Yeah, so so the main thing with with giving out this ruthless efficiency and giving it to four units is. One, you're giving them two judgment tokens, so you're giving four units plus one to hit and wound, which, you know, for the ballista skill side of it, probably puts Votan back where they want to be. But realistically, it's the plus one to wound, which is where you start putting the, you're tipping the, you're tipping it over the edge. Because now, yeah. you know, all your guns are now super more efficient. 
the stratagems as well will become better because you've now got more judgment tokens handed out. And the thing is, is as well, is you're not struggling to hand out. You wouldn't be struggling to hand out judgment tokens because you've got so much more in your army. Um, whereas now, I think from at least playing Votanix from the experience, it's really rare I actually give out any judgment tokens. To be honest with you, um, because a lot of armies have really four or three main damage dealers anyway. Yeah, and so the units that are killing your units are the ones that already have the two judgment tokens on them from the beginning. Yeah, so what what's either happening is you're you're either going, I'll just give it to maybe like an infiltrating unit, like like we've sort of you know briefly mentioned, and that's a unit that's going to be sacrificing itself. I can kill that really early on, get my free judgment tokens in my next command phase. Jobs are good done. Or you you know you you your opponent does have quite a lot of hard hitting units. Like if we were to look at Eldar as an example, um, you would give it to the ten man wraith guard brick the Incarn, and then realistically from there, what else are you really giving it to? Like maybe Fwagen, because he he normally, you know, goes out on his own. Yeah. But then other than like their hard hitters of stuff like Night Spinners that are out of line of sight anyway that you're not going to interact with. Um and then the rest of it's either lone operative or just small units. So then you then start going to yourself, well okay, well I'll give it to this small unit. Hopefully I'll kill it early. Bang, jobs are good and so yeah, the 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 to- the the ruthless efficiency I think is the thing that has on top of like we've said about um the points, I think is probably the biggest thing. And when you start looking at it from the point of view of oh wow, okay, it's it's not just plus one to hit and wound, it's also the stratagems, that's when it gets quite scary. And it just means every unit just feels so much ironically, feels so much more efficient. Which is how it should be. Ruthlessly so. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So overall, it's just crazy good. Crazy, crazy good. Okay. And I think is yeah, a massive testament to where they are now is, like we've said, is because of this. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think you, you had mentioned, maybe it was before we started recording, that one of the issues that, that Votan was having was, um, in, the, in the earlier days of the edition, was if... You 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 because you only got to pick one unit to put the ruthless efficiency tokens on at the start of the game. You didn't. It didn't really matter, and you were they were expecting you to generate more judgment tokens mid game. But by the time the judgment tokens were generated, half your army was gone, so it didn't yeah. matter anymore. You had nothing yeah. left to kill those things with t- judgment tokens. So this this change was huge for making you able to actually confront the things that are threatening your your units. Yeah. It's it's really funny because yeah it, you you hit the nail on the head there as well and like we've spoken about is that it was all well and good you know because they they you know you lost the because before in ninth edition when we looked at Votan you had you could give a unit one for being on an objective at the end of your opponent's turn you could you, whenever they did an action which we don't really have we sort of do but it's not called an action anymore right uh, I like to call it a card now <laughs> if it's do a card. Um, right. you you would give them a judgment token and then when they killed stuff you gave them judgment tokens so you had loads of abilities to that there anyway and then the problem we had in 10th edition is they got rid of the two main ways of giving units judgment tokens made it so then oh if you kill me you get judgment tokens and it's like okay that's cool but you've you've killed brilliant you've killed three units three of your units have judgment tokens that's most of my army dead now 
Right. And that's kind of part of the problem. Like it's, it's a similar problem to what sisters have right now, which is, um, they, their miracle dice really start rolling when you start massacring their units. And which is why a lot of sisters lists are spamming the little two man crusader units and a bunch of, and like a lot of other, like one and two model units or little suicide units of, of, uh, there's a variety of little suicide units that they just send forward, hoping you'll kill them to give them all the miracle dice they need to function. And then the rest of their army kicks into gear and except that Votan didn't have those throwaway units to sacrifice. And so it was here, kill my unit. Oh, now I can't do anything with judgment tokens. So it, yeah, no, it this, this funny. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but yeah, whereas now it's like the complete opposite. Like you've got so many units, you don't really know what to do with them all. And a lot of them can be smaller units as well. Like, you know, as we said, if you go with the whole Sagittar side, you're splitting your, your 10 man Hearthkin warriors into five mans. So now you've got six units of five little dudes who are either doing a card or sitting on an objective. And when they die, you go, well, that's fine. They cost like, in theory, they cost like 55 points. Um, right. You've killed nothing. next to nothing and here have a judgment token for your troubles. Yeah, and that thing's probably gone and got me like maybe two points on signals or has done a teleport homer or has just sat on a, you know, like they just, it's just value. Like it was, it's funny, right? Because warriors were a bit crap before and now they're, they're actually really useful. Um, I don't get me wrong, they're not doing the damage, but it's just the little things you can do with them, right? Um, yeah. Things like berserkers that, you know, like, uh, you know, a very good unit, and I think, um, you know, the, like especially now at the points for hundred points for five of them, you get, you know, twenty points a model. You get, you know, a really decent combat profile and damage free, which is something Votan does actually struggle with. Is the free damage weapons? If you picked one of your units before the game starts for that one of those ruthless efficiencies, you can bump their um concussive like uh, their, their hammers to um AP four damage free. And they're plus one a hit and wound. Like they just this unit just runs in and just trades up and is just genuinely quite good. So you know, it's just like it's just value. And and then you look at that unit and you go, that's that's a hundred points that unit is, and it's just gone and done that. For a CP and a hundred points, you've you potentially just gotten walked into a unit of terminators and just bopped them on the head. Yeah. All right. Um I so let's let's talk a little bit more about individual units, but real quick, we gotta take another break for our second sponsor of the day, Colorforge. The Competitive 40K Podcast is supported by Colorforge. I found Colorforge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base color, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to come and join us on the competitive Warhammer 40k community Facebook page. Password this month is Emotech. Uh, no spelling check required. Uh, the couple of people that have actually bothered to send in the um, password have been quite humorous. So um, somebody this morning sent me emo tech, which was uh, I, that gave me a laugh. So uh, keep it up, guys. You you are hilarious with your passwords. Uh, just make sure you fill out all four questions of the password or no entry. All right. With that. Um, so, uh, Jake, let's talk about specific units. 
um, for our beloved Votan. The obviously the Sagittar gets a lot of talk, gets you know it gets a, a, a lot of love. Um, you want to highlight for those people that maybe don't play Votan or 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 whatnot why the Sagittar is so freaking good right now. Everyone's favorite Mario Kart, happily. That's right. Right, main things with it, right? I'll read you its profile and then we can play the game of how much it should cost. So it is a <laughs> so it's a movement twelve, toughness ten, three plus armor save, nine wound, leadership seven, OC three. Has it has an array of weapons to choose from. The main one I will just say for the sake of argument I like giving to giving it is the high las beam cannon. Um but it has a loadout for any meta. In the current meta, at the current time of recording this, we're seeing a lot of heavily armoured centurions. We're seeing a lot of wraith guard. We're seeing some yinkans. We're seeing um, we're seeing dreadnoughts. So this is why I like the high lads. But like, so the high lads beam cannon is a twenty-four inch two shot hitting on fours, strength twelve, minus three, d six damage, sustained d three gun. Bearing in mind, like I said, it has t- two other weapons to pick from instead of that weapon. One of which is a bit more of a heavy infantry slash maybe a bit of tank or a bit of horde. The other is just a bit of a like a marine killing gun. Uh, and then it also has a twin bolt cannon always, which is a free shot hitting on fours, 36 inch range, strength six, minus one, two damage, twin link sustain hit one gun. It has a melee weapon, but we won't bother. And then it's got um, Deadly Demise 1, because it's a Mario Kart. If it blows up, it blows up. It scouts six inches as well, which is amazing, to be honest. Um, And then it's got a rule called uh, Blistering Advance, which is um, a unit can disembark from this transport after it has advanced. Units that do so counters having made a normal move that phase and cannot declare a charge in the same turn but can otherwise act normally so you know you're still eligible to shoot anything like that so again just a super great rule it can transport up to six leagues of otan infantry models um and in addition to that in the start of the declare battle formation step you can select one hearthkin warrior unit from your army and split it into two units each containing five models when splitting in this way make notes of which models you're choosing to form each unit so you can split your warriors, which makes them a hell of a lot more efficient as well. Um, key thing here as well, when you split the warriors, you don't have to keep putting them in Sagittars. So if you just take one Sagittar as an example, and you've got one unit of Hearthkin warriors, you put one half in that Sagittar, but the other half is free to do what it wants. And because you do this in the Claire Battle Formation step, you can put these things in Strat Reserve. They can sit you know, on your backfield if you really want. It just becomes super useful, right? Yeah. So just another attestment to it. Um, on top of that, keywords-wise, it's not got anything special other than the fact it's a dedicated transport, so you can take six of them. After reading that profile, you probably go, oh, well, that it's tanky. It's good shooting, got good stats. It's got a really nice rule for Warriors. It's probably about 140 to 150 points. It's only 100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's there. Therein is is the uh, is the rub. It's the fact that it's it's a hundred points just for all of that. It's which is ridiculous. It's to put in perspective to you. If we were to go to Space Marines, a Razorback, which is the equivalent 
of that, but way worse by its one less toughness, but one more wounds, one less OC, um, and has not as many choice of gun, like to put in perspective, one of the guns it can take. You can either give it a twin heavy bolter or a twin las cannon. This Sagittar has both and it, they're better in every way. Is five points less than a Sagittar. <laughs> Um, and does everything the same. So it's ludicrous, it's ridiculous, it's it's mega efficient. This thing is incredible. Um, shown by the fact that in most lists, you're seeing a minimum of four and a maximum of six. And if you could take more than six, oh boy, I think everyone would. I know I would. Um, so yeah, so like that that's a unit in itself that has revolutionized, I think, how Votan play as well. It also gets past like your generic problems of Votan being slow. Um the scout move is also massive as well. It basically allows you nearly to redeploy your whole army if you need to, six inches. So when you're deploying, you can just always deploy aggressively because you know that if you don't go first, you can just scout move all your satatars behind terrain and they're not doing anything. But if you do go first, you can just scout move forward. Um and then it, that's where the fun begins. So, yeah, they're gross. Yeah, Sagittarius. The 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 fun challenge for me is when I'm making lists is trying to figure out: Do I want the Hylas Hylas beam cannon? Do I want to stick with the Mater auto cannon that I built it with? Even the the Sagittar missile launchers are are pretty good. So, it's you have a host of good options for guns. No, there are no bad options for guns on that thing which is also fantastic. So, um, all right. So another couple units that we should probably talk about the, let's talk about the hearth guard. The hearth guard are the, you know, what people refer to as the, the dwarven terminators. Um, they are also very efficient. And, um, I think now next to Sagittar, the best unit in the book. Oh yeah. The, this unit was the best unit in the book before. Um, and that's probably, that's probably doesn't mean a lot when, everything else was a bit poo because it cost too much and didn't hit very hard um this unit in particular hits very hard so if we just run through its stat line again it's toughness six uh five inch move toughness six two up save two wounds leadership seven oc1 um they can t be taken a minimum units of five maximum units of 10 i recommend always taking 10 because they're cheap as chips um their unique universal rule is oath band bodyguard. So if there's a character leading their unit, anytime a attack targets them and the strength characteristic is greater than the toughness, you're minus one to be wounded. So like a mini sort of what we used to refer to as a transhuman physiology effect, uh, which was yeah. a strategy back in uh, ninth edition. Um, but it's like way better in this. Um, basically means they normally be wounding on fours. Then you're not wounding them on anything better than a four. It's very rare you would be. Yeah, unless you unless you would need a strength 12 or better attack and then you, they're only winning you on a five yeah uh, yeah um then i mean on a excuse me on a three i did that backwards three, then yeah. they're only winning you on a three um and then in terms of melee they're, they're all right in melee so they've got um I, I normally give mine concussion gauntlets now which was very annoying because i had to cut all the blades off mine um <laughs> And they're two attacks hitting on three, strength nine, minus two, two damage. So again, if we're thinking about judgment tokens, um, you're plus one to hit and wound with this. So you're normally hitting on twos and potentially wounding most things on twos. You're wounding most elite infantry on twos, maybe tanks on fours, potentially. Light tanks on threes. Um, 
you could bump your AP by two with Warrior Pride to make you AP four, so there's not a lot of things getting an armor save from you. However, when we start looking at shooting, this unit is ridiculous. And I don't mean by damage, I mean by dice. Okay, so they've got two types of guns. So they always have a XO Armor Grenade Launcher, which is an 18-inch range attack, D6 shots, hitting on free, strength 4, no AP, 1 damage blast. So each one of these has this. So in your unit of 10, that's 10 D6. And if for every five models in your opponent's unit, you're getting plus one per model. So if you shoot a unit of 20 warriors, Necron warriors, let's say, just you know trying to pick a, or a unit of a cursed cultist, that's probably a bit more on topic for the current meta. Yeah. You know, you're with the um, Dark Commune in, you're getting a 10 D6 plus 40 shots. Yeah. Strength or no AP, one damage. Um, and then you have the choice between you can either take a plasma gun, which is a 24 inch one shot hitting on free strength, eight minus three, two damage, or my preferred weapon of choice, a Volkite disintegrator, uh, which is an 18 inch range, three shots hitting on free strength, five, no AP one damage, devastating wounds. So just a bucket of dice. Um, on top of this as well, you have another stratagem that can support this unit, which is an ancestral sentence which means that when you target a unit, you get sustained hits on your ranged weapons. If that unit has a judgment token, however, you get sustained hits too. Um, so now you've got a unit of 10 Hearthguard that get 10d6 shots and then any pluses to blast there, hitting on twos if there's a judgment token on it, wounding probably marine, most like basic infantry marines on threes, um, elite infantry on fours, tanks on fives, but with sustain two. And then you get that again on your Volkite. But this time it's only 30 shots for the 10 of them. I say only 30. Um, with sustain two, hitting on twos, and then any sixes to wound are devastating wounds as well. So you just get a bucket of dice. And honestly, I know a lot of people will turn around and go, oh yeah, but there's no AP, blah, 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 blah. This unit does damage. You don't need AP when you're giving your opponent about 30 saves to make. You know, yeah. like, and and that's just from the the grenade packs, <laughs> like, right. So there's a lot to be said for it. Yeah, they're very tough. The 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 baby transhuman. I mean, it's funny that people are complaining that Lichguard got nerfed because they got the same ability that the the the, the same equivalent rule that the Hearthguard have always had about the the sort of the new tenth edition transhuman. Hmm. So. Uh, now here's the question for you because the they can have the Hearthguard can have two characters join them. They mm -hmm. can have the champion or the call, um, and both of them uh, they can have the the Hearthguard can either have a teleport crest or a weave field crest. The teleport crest obviously gives the unit deep strike. The weave field crest gives the sergeant a four up invul. Mm -hmm. You can also do something similar. You could give the teleport crest to the character. So do you? When you're building your list, do you put the teleport crest on the unit and let the character have the invuln, or vice versa? So, if you put a Carl in your unit... Well, he gives the invuln to the whole unit, right? Yeah, so you don't yeah. want to give him a teleport crest because then you lose having the invuln. And then, because the wording of the teleport crest is this unit gains uh, deep strike, it then means that the Carl joining that unit also will get deep strike. So you're not you're not affected by the rules, which mean that like if you join a character to a unit and it doesn't have that universal rule, you don't get to do it. 
Um, so yeah, so I'd always go teleport crest on the unit and then the relevant upgrade. Like I normally put a Carl in my hearth guard because, um, I do like the lethal hits actually can be, especially like when you've got sustained as well. Like you're not actually then losing out on trying to get devastating wounds on your Volkite. And with also the low strength of the unit, like if you do, at least if you're shooting something without a judgment token, like lethal is super handy, especially with that mm. many dice. Um, and then the ability for him to give the unit the invol as well. And he is quite punchy. He can have a big, he can have a big ham hand that's like flat free damage. Um, yeah, his, his fist is quite nice. Yeah. So yeah, like just all in all, like, you know, have, putting a Carl in this unit is something that I always do. Um, I think there is definitely an argument to put a champ in a unit. Um, I like the champ in the unit cause he allows you to do mortal wounds on the charge. And he lets you re-roll your charge, which is really handy if you're planning on deep striking the unit. Um, but I more play my Hearthguard as a shooting deterrent, an overwatch threat. And then it just so happens when they're in combat, they do a bit as well. Like I'm not relying on them getting combat. And, you know, like if I'm having the deep strike, I'm then not really like in my head, it's like I'm charging if I have to type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um rather than like the sole goal is they come in charge because also there's a lot of infiltrators kicking around in the game and things that make you deep strike further away so you know just with that in mind like just having that shooting unit with the lethal with the more tankiness with the five up involve it's just great it's just really great awesome yeah i i love the models too they were one of my mm. favorite ones to paint um so i need to still buy 15 more of them because i only own five for the new edition i have to buy 15 more of them but yeah. you know christmas is coming so <laughs> yeah <laughs> um all right now let's talk about one of the units that was in in ninth edition everybody was spamming 18 of these and then now they just don't get quite as much conversation um the bikes the pioneers yeah now they're still great they're still absolutely fantastic in my opinion and again on Rock and Stone, we have mentioned before of taking a unit of six of them and just running them up the table and just plowing things turn one, right? I take a slightly different approach to it because I'm not sort of about that with them. I like having my Sagittars, so anything that takes away from me having Sagittars is not happening. Um, so these are fantastic for a number of reasons. The first thing is they do Scout Move 9, which is great. So if you're following along at home of the, playing the game of how many scout moves does Javotan army get? The answer is all of them. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, so, pretty much all of them. Yes. Uh, so, you know, that's fantastic in its own right. The other thing they do, they're fantastic for mission play because they have another rule and I can't remember the name of it right now, um, but it basically allows you to take the unit off the table if it's within six inches of the board edge at the end of your opponent's turn, um, it's called outflank outflanking uh, mag riders. So pretty cool name that. Um, and they can, you know, like they they do a role of you know very similar to why you take scouts in your space marine armies, you take your Catalyst assassin in your imperium armies. They allow you to leave the table, come back, and it really helps with mission play. It helps for cutting angles if you need to as well. Um, and what I mean by that is to make sure you're getting good shooting angles. Uh, half the time they've got a good enough movement that you will, but again, depending on what terrain layouts you play on, depending on how you deploy them, anything like that, 
you may need to take them off the table and bring them back but they're just fantastic for doing missions as well um i always take three units of bikes and i always recommend everybody to take three units of bikes personally because i think um a unit like that is so valuable to an, to any army um mm. that it's just silly not to have it um so the fact that we have it in our list for 90 points which is um the same cost as the Caldus assassin and is uh 35 points more expensive than a unit of scouts but this unit is relatively tanky you, you know they're free wound each bikes at toughness six they only have a four up save though um but that's neither here nor there but their shooting output is quite good they've got um a few two damage shots uh they've got a few uh one damage shots all with you know all with at least minus one ap which is great um again you've got um they've got like certain upgrades you can take on them so one of them is uh when you do a stratagem on them on a five up you get a command point back i normally don't take this one in my free man units i like to take the pan spectral scanner which is ignores cover for the unit which is just great because it helps get around that ap1 um and i also then take the roll bar searchlight because just because i don't really like I, I don't feel i've ever used a stratagem on a unit of three of them so I just don't see the point of getting my CP back. So roll bar searchlight's great because this is um, plus one to wound when you are shooting something. No, sorry, plus one to wound, plus one to hit when you're shooting something with stealth. Yeah, basically negate stealth. Yeah, which then also means that, you know, if you're minus one to hit and plus two to hit, you still get your plus one to hit from your judgment tokens. So all these guys are hitting on threes. So yeah, it's, it, it's you know, they're, they're really efficient. And, you know, the fact they went down 15 points, so they didn't go down the most out of anything, but definitely still enough to go right three units of those is 270 points that's fantastic mission playing pieces let's do it yeah yeah no i think they're i think for mission play i think they're great um i actually w need to snap speaking of you were snapping blades off of your hearth gun, uh, uh off of your hearth guard i need to snap off the uh the rotary cannon so i can put the ion beamers on because i think yeah, the ion the beamer at neg two is nice and sustained hits d3 yeah so, I, i'm i'm still debating i've been going with the rotary cannon on mine because if i'm honest I've, i don't know where the beam parts are for mine um but <laughs> i do like the rotary cannon just because it gives you a bit more options but i am i am gonna actually try for testing for lvo the ion beamers and if i do like them i probably will just end up um digging around my room for all the spare parts to do that so yeah no they're, they are yeah. great they're a great little unit really good yeah, they're there's for a for a faction that is has very few units overall. I mean, the index cards, the entire index set of index cards was 30 pages and that's counting the fact that each each unit was two pages. So, yeah. I mean, for there's very few units in this. The I think the only faction in the game that has less units variety is what knights and harlequins. Yeah. So, there there for for very few there's there's not a lot of mission play units. So, I think pioneers you have to have at least two units of three for for mission player you're yeah. not scoring your your cards yeah yeah i think you minimum take two but i've 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 gone free because i like having the efficiency of having free um but i do know people that have gone with two units of two units of three three units of three um like i said uh tom Lehman from rock and stone who i do it with he does a unit of six and two units of three because uh, he likes that unit that just sort of goes up and does a load of damage and causes a bit of havoc and then if it needs to it can leave the table that sort of stuff so um yeah no, they, they are they are great and definitely something that you need to be taking in your votan lists in my opinion yeah for sure all right last unit i wanted to ask you about 
the Thunderkin. They were kind of an afterthought in ninth edition pants as it were. And now they, they seem to be the, the best, not the only, but one of the best, um, anti-vehicle options. Yes. So there's a few things I'll say about Thunderkin, um, because I've actually gone, I've personally gone off them a bit, right? And there's a few reasons for that and we'll go into it. But again, if we just have a look at them on the sort of outserts, um, I won't go through their main stat line. The main thing I want to talk about here is their, 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 the array of weapons they have, right? Okay. So they've got three weapons to choose from. So the first one's a bolt cannon. So that's what they come with as standard. 36 inch range, three shots, fours to hit, strength six, minus one, two damage, sustained one. So this is your long range option. This is the one that means they can sit in a little three man unit and shoot to their heart's content at the back of the board as long as they can get an angle, right? Yeah. And they will probably merc a fair number of space marines. Yeah. Next one is the SP conversion beamer. So this is a 24 inch range. We've lost 12 inches. Um, this is only one shot, hits on a four, strength seven, minus one, free damage, sustain D3, and then it has a unique rule to the weapon called conversion, which is um, if you target something over 12 inches away, you get critical hits on fours rather than sixes, which is really important because then it just means that essentially for every hit you get with this weapon, it's sustain D3. I like this, but a bit of an issue with it is AP1, and it's only yeah. one shot. so. You know, and if you don't, and if if you don't roll well on the sustained, you're not getting a lot out of this. The final weapon, the shortest range of weapons, but it's probably the best weapon in my opinion, is the graviton blast cannon. So this is 18 inch range, D6 shots, hitting on fours, strength five minus two, two damage, anti vehicle two plus, and blast. So if we were to look at that again, um, it's got the best AP out of all of them. Tied on damage with the bolt cannon. Potentially the most shots of them all, but on average probably about the same as the bolt cannon. But it has blast, so this also can be effective against a horde. Strength 5, so it's the lowest strength, but it's got anti-vehicle 2+. plus. So against yeah. no matter what tank you are, whether you're, whether you're a Redemptor Dreadnought or you're a Knight, you're wounding on a 2. Yeah. Which is amazing. So you yeah, know. the the only the only unit in the in the game or type of unit in the game that this weapon is not great against is terminators or things with yeah. you know anything you know T five non vehicles. Yeah, um, but even but even then though, like with, with the judgment token shout, like you would be wounding terminators on freeze with this now. Um, you know, like with the blast keyword as well. If they've got a big unit of terminators, these are getting in your unit six thunderkin. You're getting you know, 66 plus 12. Um, if you put a Forge Master in there, they're plus one to hit all the time, which is really good. Um, and the other thing as well is they Oathban, they've got Oathban Covering Fire. That's their unique ability. And it means they Oathwatch on five pluses. Okay. Which is great. Um, and then the other thing as well with them is they are 75 points for three of them. Cheapest chips. Hmm. So they're small because they're only on 40 mil bases. You could take a unit of three of these, put these in strap reserve. They waddle onto the table and they just shoot. Um, There's not much you can really do about it. Um, The only reason I've gone off them very slightly is for a few. So the the main reason is because I've swapped my Sagittar guns from being the missiles to the conversion beamers. Um, Not the conversion beamers, the the high-laz beam cannon. 
uh, which I've just found has just been doing fantastic for me for vehicles. Mm-hmm. The other thing with them is actually to do with the WTC ruling on modifiers and when you ignore a modifier. Um, so this more is an interaction that happens when you take a Forge Master, you take a enhancement called Grim Demeanor. And what this enhancement does is it means that you ignore all modifiers to your characteristics and tests you have to make except for your generic armor saves and stuff, right? And they, they, how a lot of events used to play this is that this also affected your weapons. So it means that people couldn't arm with contempt versus you and they couldn't reduce damage or anything like that. Whereas now they've said that, no, it just affects your stat lines. So when we say your stat line, I mean your movement characteristic, your hit roll, anything like that, right? So it's a bit of a weird ruling, but um, sadly it's meant these people are a bit less efficient because it just means when you shoot a Redemptor Dreadnought, you're only minus one, one damage. And if they're in cover, you're minus nothing, one damage. So you're just throwing laser dice right. at them. So it's just like a little thing that's a bit meta-dependent. But I still think like two units of these for 75 points is 150 points. And you can just strat reserve them. They waddle onto the table and just shoot a bit. And and then when they're done doing that, they can just sit there and maybe do a card for you if it comes up. Or they can you know maybe get a move block on, just something like that. So I think... Um, you know, there's a lot to be said for for this type of unit, and I think they are. They're, they're, I still think they're they're great. So don't don't let just because I'm not as not as hyped on them as before. Um, but just I think for me, um, they definitely. I, I I used to take a unit of six and two units of three. I now just take two units of three. I've just got rid of the unit of six with the Forge Master. He's gone now because of the interaction with that. I think that covers all the units I want to talk about. Is there anything else you want to hit? Before we uh, um, go to Ruzler. I'm going to say one thing real quick, and it's about the Grimware, because um, when I did the initial show, I poo-pooed this chap a lot. Um, and I'm going to give him his flowers now. We found a use for him. Okay. Um, which is incredible. So first off, hats up, hat, a big round of applause for all of us. So if you're listening, make sure you give us a clap now. Um, <laughs> so um, because because he became so cheap... Uh, he went for, he's now 65 points. Um, you can just waddle him onto the table. Um, and you waddle him onto the table and he does an action and he's quite small and he's also quite annoying to deal with as well. Cause he's toughness five with essentially six wounds. Cause he's got his two little robots. Okay. And his shooting isn't awful as well. Like if you overcharge his shooting, he gets... Six shots hitting on two strength six minus two d three damage with hazardous like that's pretty decent and he can just waddle yeah. on do he can waddle on do an action he's actually the cheapest unit to do that with um and if you want to make him really annoying as well you can give him the uh, wayfarer's wayfarer's grace so when he dies he gets back up on a two up okay. And he just becomes something that's really annoying for your opponent to deal with. So I will just give him a little shout out there because we found um, he's been actually doing really well. And the, re- and the reason he's in my list is because I just put him in strap reserve, waddle him on, hopefully blast something off. If he doesn't, he gets your teleport homers or behind enemy lines. And then he's just relatively annoying to deal with. So um, And he ha- you have to deal okay. with him as well. So yeah, so I've just, I've just that's the only little shout out I want to give to him because I, I poo-pooed him a lot and now we found a use for him finally. So. All right, awesome. So not don't even bother putting him in a squad, just all by himself out there, man without a country. Yeah, the other the other thing you can do is he, he can be like a way for you to unlock a cheap Sagittar. 
because obviously where there's evocate transports you have to have something start in them if you take one grimware that's one sagittar you can you know you can put in which means you don't have to take a unit of warriors as an example so you save yourself uh, i think it's you save yourself 45 points by doing that which could be maybe the points you needed to towards another unit or maybe some enhancements. So yeah, there's a few uses we found for him. Ironically, none of them are probably his use he was intended for, but yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, you know. the plus one toughness that he gives a, the, the unit of warriors he's allowed to join is very meh. So. Yeah, yeah. But um, we found it. We found a use for him, and do you know what? I was happy with that. So he's in my list, and hopefully I'll have some success with him as well. Cool. All right, there it is. The, the the Grimnir is not the complete failure that we thought he was when Jake and I did the uh, the initial review of the index uh, a few months ago. Yeah. So uh, we are we do have a rules lawyer question. Uh, real quick, we're gonna stop for our third sponsor of the day, Siege Studios. And now for a word from our sponsor, Siege Studios. They are the experts in providing professional miniature painting services, ensuring your armies always look their best on the battlefield. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, Sea Studios can help bring your miniatures to life. Don't miss out on their quality craftsmanship. All right, we are back real quick before we get out of here. I did get a rules lawyer question on the 40K Competitive Facebook page. Uh, this question is from Brian Ricks. Uh, his question was about the Vanguard Spearhead Stratagem, the Space Marine Stratagem, a deadly prize. Um, the strat, he says, gives you a sticky objective. Uh, I'll read it real quick. Uh, it's one CP. It's played at the start of the command phase. You play it on one Adeptus Astartes infantry or mounted unit from your army within range of an objective marker. That objective marker is said to be sabotaged and remains under your control even if you have no models within range of it until your opponent controls it at the start or end of any turn. While an objective marker is sabotaged and under your control each time an enemy unit ends a normal advanced fallback or charge move, roll a D6. On a 2+, plus, they suffer D3 mortal wounds. Cool. So it's sticky objectives. Plus, if they try to flip it, there's a chance they'll take some a couple of mortals off it. So uh, Brian's question was, uh, he says, it's my understanding from the core rulebook that objective control is checked at the end of each phase. So why is the uh, start of a turn word there? Is there a check at the start of a turn two? Um, specifically, I'm asking for turn one, going first, use of the strat, since it has to be used at the beginning of a command phase. It looks like you can't use the strat top of turn one if you can't control an objective at the start of the game. Am I missing something that lets you control an objective at the start of the turn phase? Uh, so the, the short version is, uh, Brian, you're going to play that anytime you're, you, because it, it, it says you have to be within range of an objective marker. So that's, that's part of the, the target portion of the strat. So you do have to wait until you're on the command phase or, or the, rather till you are on the objective in a command phase. But then, once you're there, you can play that strat at the start of any of your command phases. And then the really, this is important for things like um, the Necrons Canoptic Court rule because they, in order for them to, uh, anytime they control a, an objective at the end of a phase, starting after that, they get their Canoptic Court rule. That's when they can spread their, what was it called? Remember, Jake, the, the power the, yeah, the matrix. Power matrix the, uh, yeah, the power matrix. Yes. So they can spread their power matrix into the into no man's land if they control half or more of the objectives in a in the in no man's land. So if they are controlling that objective um, at the end of any phase, it flips to them. However, because of the wording of this strat, they can't flip it until the entire turn, until the end of the turn. 
So that is why it's important because it slows them down from flipping it. So say they move on to an objective, they should take it, and then they would get their their canoptic court bonuses in that sh- that turns shooting phase and that turns um, fight phase. Now they won't get it until the whole next turn because they won't flip the objective until the end of their turn. So that's why you want that. Did I explain that clear enough, Jake? Yeah. You anything no, to add? I'll- not really. I think you literally covered all the bases there. Um, you did very well there, Dave. It's a bit oh, of a weird you. one as well, because um, obviously like with the interactions, but yeah, like it's it's good to date with um, that. Yeah, so yeah, no, you smashed that, mate. Yeah. So it's a, it, like, like you say, it's, it is very much a very, it, it's a very weird interaction because it's not what we normally think of. And it's definitely one of those times when um, very looking very closely at the wording as it compares to other rules is where you you, you really get your context. And I don't know that it necessarily would have mattered until Canoptic Court came out because I don't know that there were many other abilities that it mattered when the control of the objective flipped. But now that we have Canoptic Court in particular, hmm. and I think there might be a Tyranid one too. Where there was Demons as well. Um, demons, like, that was the one. Yes, that's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Um, so yeah, like definitely, yeah, definitely always look out for that as well. So yeah, no, it's good. It's very good. Yeah. So, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for giving us your time and your attention. Uh, Jake and I threw this one together rather quickly um, with the holidays coming up, but we, we hope this helped shed some light on our favorite faction. Uh, you know, it was a uh, it was a last minute, hey, we got this request to do this episode. Let's do this real quick. So, yeah. um, and obviously Jake and I will take any chance we can to talk about Tam. Oh, yeah. I think um, you messaged me and you're like, I don't suppose... Uh <laughs> you're up for doing another Votan show, are you? And I'm like, oh, you had me at, I don't suppose. <laughs> you, you, you know, I love coming on the competitive 40k podcast and chatting with you, Dave. So, you know, so thanks for yeah. having me again. Um, uh, dude, it's, it's great to always talk to you. And speaking of which, we have some events coming up. I'm going to be at the Grimdark New Year event in Valdosta, Georgia uh, on January 6th and 7th. So if you're in the area, or I think there might still be some tickets available if you're in North Florida or South Georgia or alabama you want to come over um more importantly though jake and i will both be at lvo yes we will oh, i am excited uh if, if you were if you do follow and listen to all of these in in order you'd you'd have noticed in the adeptus mechanicus uh codex review we were saying how we were sad that we won't get to see each other at lvo this year um and through the power of the internet and immense generosity uh, that is now not the case because uh, I will be going to the LVO uh, again this year, uh, next year, sorry, 2024. And I am beyond stoked, I think, to use one of the Americanisms, right? <laughs> so, yep, absolutely. Uh, so um, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be absolutely amazing. I had the time of my life last year with uh, you guys, uh, Shauna as well um and obviously all the team we we all had so much fun and i think this year is just going to be even better so um it's just a shame not all of us could go uh but me myself ben jones our illustrious leader stephen box um is izzy sanchez uh matt laura and all the vt team are going to be there so um you know for the workshop as well so if you haven't signed up to that and you are interested to go check that out as well yeah i gotta start plugging that i haven't been mentioning that that yeah. yes we are going to do another another yeah. workshop at uh, LVO on the Thursday night before the tournament starts. Mm-hmm. So if you want to come put your new models on the table, come hang out with us and work through some, some uh, strats on the new terrain and all that, mm-hmm. um, you should come sign up for the, uh, 
and especially if you're not and if you're not familiar with player place terrain come sign yeah. up for the workshop because that's i the, think one um, of the big focuses. that's what i'm going to be i think i'm going to be taking part in the workshop a bit more this year because i need to learn the player place and i don't have a lot of time between now and then but um but yeah obviously if you are interested definitely do it first um first lvo of 10th edition I can imagine a lot of people with the edition still being relatively new. It, we, you know, we're at, at the time of LVO, it will be six months the edition would be out. Um, so, you know, there's, you can never be too prepared. It's like oh, I, I always like to say. Isn't that right, Dave? Agreed. Agreed. Amazing. Guys, so we got some events coming up to talk about. Uh, maybe Jake and I can do, a, can do an LVO recap afterwards. A victory uh, lap. And then uh, we've also, of course, the, the Codex train keeps on rolling. So lots of things for us to talk about coming up. Uh, I couldn't find a good quote to close out this episode like I normally do. You know, I was going to try to find a Captain Britain, Captain America quote, something. I couldn't find a good one. I've got one. Oh, okay. And it really is. I could do this all day. <laughs> I could do this all day. Yeah. Amen. And <laughs> in honor of my friend, and in honor of my friend TT, I will uh, steal his close out uh, from, his, uh, from his show. So until next time, this is Dave Colmel for Jake Harding and all Vanguard Tactics saying cheers and happy gaming.